0: ixl learning is an online learning program for kids it covers math language arts science and social studies ixl is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way with positive feedback backed by research kids using ixl are scoring higher on tests powered by advanced algorithms ixl gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality rather than looking at multiple programs to help your child in different subjects one subscription gets you everything with ixl learning and all the kids in your home work off once Com.
1: Welcome into Inside Carolina's Noon Dish. It's Wednesday. It's about twelve oh one. So Don Callahan is a minute late. I'm Tommy Ashley. We're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. everybody that's joined us live um, I' go ahead and tell you this is a recruiting show I am Tez Walker out that news we covered in full yesterday it is still a ridiculous situation i um, of course inside Carolina will keep you totally up to date about the Walker situation and what's going on with the appeal so make sure you stick with Adam and Jeremiah and the beat crew and on that but today Don Callahan is in a School Press Box. Don, sort of tell us where you are, my man. I am
2: at Huff High School, which if you follow recruiting, you're well aware of this school. It's it's crazy. You know, I went to base scrimmage this morning against Dudley, another program that has it constantly produces talent. But I'm out there and obviously I'm looking at the 25s and 26s and the 24s that are out here for Huff in particular is just crazy. You got an Oklahoma commit. You have a um, Clemson commit. You have a, um, I'm forgetting there's one other, Oh, and a Penn state commit. So it, it's just, it's just crazy the amount of talent there's out there. And then that's not even getting to the underclassmen who I was there to see for the most part. So it was early morning for me. I made the decision somewhat last minute, got up early, drove out here once I knew what teams were scrimmaging. Cause obviously scrimmages aren't really, advertised um, all that all too well. But yes, so I'm in the press box at Huff. I thought about trying to get some sort of picture-esque background for everybody, but it is hot. You sit in the sun and I'd be, I would be sweating right now. It's not so bad. I have the windows open, nice breeze. It feels good. I was sweating earlier. Um, My one fear is even though I, I, I am up here with permission from the coaches at Huff, you know, you could have some sort of administrator or some other coach come in here and and kind of kick me out. But, um, so if that happens,
1: that's when you just say. Do
2: you know who I am?
1: Do do you know who I am?
2: That, that line never works for me,
1: even in my household. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, Don, you you mentioned being at Huff and, and it's funny. We were, I was having a conversation about Huff and Myers Park and Drake May and all that yesterday uh, away from inside Carolina. It's pretty incredible how stacked, you mentioned all the commitments, but it's it's pretty incredible how stacked some of these teams can be in high school, especially in that part of the state for North Carolina. I mean, the talent level and the, the stream of coaches that come through these schools, it's just wild to me coming from small town.
2: Yeah, and I mean, a lot of it is there's a huge population, obviously, in Charlotte, and what tends to happen is the better recruits gravitate to certain schools. People talk about recruiting; I'm sure that happens to a degree. But for the most part, I mean, I've, I've had parents kind of come up to me and kind of explain, you know, why their kid ended up at a particular school, and in a lot of instances, it's the family who kind of initiates the um, the situation because. I mean if you if you have a wide receiver your son's a wide receiver your school doesn't have a great quarterback or doesn't have a great offensive line and they're forced to play your son at quarterback or at db or wherever that's not really helping their recruiting stock and there's a ten, there's a school not that far away that has a great quarterback has a great um you know offense and known for producing kids and yeah I mean you're going to do what's best for your for your kid and that that's typically what kind of happens you know, so in Charlotte, yes, a lot of the kids kind of gravitate to Huff and, um, and Mallet Creek and and Myers Park sometimes. You know, it all kind of depends. And, you know, this is it's also a little cyclical. You know, Butler is also a big program too, but Huff just constantly just produces kids. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And you look at Dudley, you know, I'm out there and I'm looking at their secondary and they have 325 or they have 325 skilled players labeled as athletes. One of them was playing for rival school the year prior, but obviously, you know, he paid, played for Huff. I'm sorry, paid for page high school. You know, it's obviously a better situation for him. He has the better opportunity to get more offers. If he goes play for Huff, which has a history, coach Davis does a great job at Dudley high school, as far as developing kids, putting together a team. If you want to win a state championship, you're not going to do that at Page, unfortunately. Nowadays, that might have been the case maybe 10, 20 years ago, but that's not the case now. Um, so you transfer to Dudley, you get more exposure, you play with better, better players, and that sort of thing. It's just there is just a noticeable difference when you go to some of these schools, and you see even the the, the coaching staffs, the assistant coaches. You know, Chachi uh, Sullivan, who's the the longtime DB coach. I think he's the defensive coordinator. I think for um, Huff High School. I mean, he just constantly produce. You know, helps develop these kids, and um, there's there's schools who don't even have a great high school coach, let alone great assistant coaches who are training them. So, I mean, once you, once you're kind of in it and you understand fully what's kind of going on, it makes it easier to understand just why all the transferring, why all the talent accumulations happening at certain schools.
1: Yeah, to your point about it being cyclical. I mean, Page was stout. Yeah. When I was in back in the day, and, and then um, 50 years Charlotte, ago, uh, not that quite that long ago, but, uh, and then, uh, Charlotte Independence or yeah. Independence was, was stout in Southview on the Eastern side. So, uh, you know, well, Fayetteville is times. just
2: completely, I remember when I first started, Fayetteville was always a stop for me, you know. And now, and now, yeah, it's been a very, I mean, you have kids here and there, um, Emery Simmons, um, you know, a couple guys, I know uh, DJ Jones, but I mean, it's very, very sporadic and it's just crazy. Just, you know, a lot of it is just how, you know, with, with the mills and, and just the jobs and the, the population decrease in some of these areas, just this kind of hurt some of these areas. Anson County is one, you know, that's, it's, you know, used to be really big when I first started and now is, you know, you're not getting players.
1: It's crazy how it works. I mean, Douglas Bird, 71st, yeah. Southview. And then you had Jack Britt be created and it sort of watered down everything there. Uh, and then, but Charlotte's always seemed to have it. And it's wild how it, it rotates through, you know, Independence, Mallard Creek, Huff, Myers Park. Mm-hmm. And, and to your point, these guys want to play for teams that are good. And, and these days, um, you know, you play for a big time program in high school, whether it's in Charlotte or any other state, you get looked at. And if you're a lesser player, quote-unquote lesser player, and all these coaches are on campus looking at other players, you might snag an eye or yeah. an eyeball and get an offer. We've seen how that works. When um, we're talking about uh, 2025s, but let's back up and talk a little bit yeah. about 2024. And, again, talking with Don Callahan, it's the noon dish. Um, if anybody missed the live reaction show from yesterday's news, um, a lot of it, padded practice uh taz walker issue check out that on youtube as well adam smith and jason staples joined me for that but don talking about recruiting here we had gus Ritchie come in mm-hmm. on the show mm-hmm. that was last wednesday wasn't it i know or no, last tuesday. tuesday yeah it true. feels like a like a month ago yeah Um. with everything that's going on um, how cool was that? And everybody keeps asking me is like when is the next recruit going to commit on the noon dish? I mean, when you deliver yeah, like I, that, you gotta deliver yeah, all the time. I just
2: I just don't anticipate that happening ever again,
1: <laughs> to be honest.
2: That was something where it was just a unique situation that just naturally came together, and you know that's the way Gus kind of wanted to, well, that's the way Gus wanted to do something different. And we just started talking and it started with, hey, let's get you on after you, you commit to him saying, hey, let's just commit live sort of thing. So I really appreciate Gus and his family for allowing us to do that, because I think it was a really cool, you know, I don't know, it was a ceremony. I don't know what we want to call it, but um, definitely a cool podcast. And hopefully that's something that they like. I think really, you know, the more I thought about it after, at first, before we actually did it, I was like, why would he want to do this? You know, our cheesy podcast. But then, <laughs> you know, afterwards, I was like, you know what? That whole, that whole like ceremony was basically broadcasted for an hour. I'm sure that they saved the video. I hope they did. I mean, it's all on the Internet. But, uh, you know, they have that moment that's kind of now frozen in time for them to go back and review.
1: Yeah, I mean it is cool, and, and uh, yeah, we don't.
2: Yeah, I did not do a good job of keeping track last week for the MVP. yes, yeah, so we'll just give it to Gus. Gus yeah. was definitely the MVP of of last week. So this podcast is dedicated to to Gus. So, yeah. but uh, make sure everybody has their a games on today because I'm I'm watching Tommy and I yep. are watching to see who's the MVP.
1: Paying attention, and our top five today, and it's probably a maybe a little premature, but we're going top five most important north carolina players for 2023 um and so yeah and it's uh don always defers to team news to the beat writers uh, but we're going top 20 or top five important north carolina football players for 2023 this season this upcoming season so drop them in the chat drop questions for don in the chat as well don another um recruit that announced jonathan paler Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was smoke flying around. There was, you know, some misdirection, all this kind of stuff going on. He ultimately chose NC State. Um, not really surprising. I'm not sure it really affects North Carolina's class a whole lot. They, they've loaded up at that position. But what did you think, and what are the implications, if any, of Payler's commitment to NC State?
2: I don't know if there's any implications that I could think of off the top of my head. I
1: think, though, it is a...
2: You know, people aren't going to like me saying this, but it's it's kind of a sign that UNC is not dominating the state as it was when Mack Brown first came in. And um, if you look, you know, last year, NC State beat out North Carolina for Kevin Concepcion. That was a, a recruitment that U, UNC battled to the very end. Um, in this class, you had um, Brody Barnhart, who some people after the fact are saying UNC didn't want him but that yet they invited him to the UNC Duke basketball game, which is pretty significant. They don't just invite anybody, any recruit to that. Um, also, there was Justin Terrell, who had committed to North Carolina, and then, you know, with NC State being his last official visit, ends up at NC State, and now Jonathan Payler, you know, which was a significant recruit, you know, and you know, just a little bit of background on that. I can remember a year ago, actually, I was having a discussion on the message board and, um, because I had talked to a source very, very close to Paler who said, do not discount NC state. Now this is a year ago. And I was trying to express that to some of the posters and some of them, um, were like, Hey, when, whenever, you know, you know, the first time NC state actually beats North Carolina for a group, that's when I'll start to believe it, you know, and you know, this is not going to happen yada yada. Why would he go there? This and that. I think some of it is, is like UNC fans don't realize they're UNC fans. And so if you really want to know what's going to happen, you kind of almost have to take off the Carolina blue shades and look at it as as clear as possible. But, you know, in considering the fact that, you know, this, you know, Paler visit NC state and North Carolina pretty much equally, maybe NC state more. I mean, this source at that time believed that he had visited NC state more and believed that he had established a stronger relationship with Joker Phillips than um, with any other coach. Now, we obviously had we go we, we go into January and South Carolina somehow it becomes his leader, you know somehow quote unquote, um, and he held South Carolina as his leader throughout. And then we started to kind of get some. There was some buzz maybe about a month or so ago that um, NC State was was gaining some momentum, and there was talk of NIL stuff being put together that was. Uh, able to combat South Carolina and, you know, we, I mean, we kind of laid it out. We talked about it. I don't know. Did we talk about it on the new dish last week?
1: A little bit. I mean, there were a lot of factors in play in, in Paylor's recruitment, some of which, um, some of which weren't going to be done at certain schools. I don't know if uh, Yeah. North Carolina, Everybody's heard the rumors and all. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Ultimately, the guy went to NC State, but um, there, there were, uh, yeah, there were factors that were not in North Carolina's favor. See,
2: all right. So now Eric is saying it was always probably that state college would get one of the top twenty-four players in the state. He, the discussion I had a year ago was actually the posters telling me one in particular. and I'm not going to call anyone out saying that NC State. And until NCC actually beats North Carolina for a top in-state recruit, a national in-state recruit, they weren't going to believe it. So this is, you know, we're kind of playing both sides of the fence here now, you know, sure. but here's the thing. And if you lay out the numbers, Mac was killing it in-state NCC didn't have a chance in the first couple of classes, the tide has slowly started to turn and it's, and it's becoming more and more evident. Now, could it just, could it just stop next class? Absolutely and, and Matt kind of went back, you know, he's probably going to need a really good season in order to do that. But, um, but the, the, the trend right now is not looking good for North Carolina.
1: I mean, it, I think Carolina will, will be fine with what they have. I think they're certainly happy and pleased with what they've got at that position. Yeah. With yeah. The yeah. And all. yeah so, I'm talking I mean,
2: more big picture and all that. Um, but yes, at at that at that position, you look at the receivers, Alex Taylor, um, you know, Keenan Jackson. I mean, even in the prior class, everyone knows I'm a huge Chris Culliver fan. You know, I think he's gonna be an absolute stud at UNC. So, I mean, there there is tons of talent. I'm just talking about big pick and, and really like like that. Justin Terrell, I thought was okay. I didn't think he was a great defensive player. It's not that big of a deal for UNC to lose him, to him. I think it's just UNC lost him to NC State, and that's just never a good look, especially when, when you were just absolutely just, you know, holding a shutout for a couple of, of classes.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's unrealistic for folks to expect the shutout, as you put it there, um, but the bottom line is, you can only take so many players, and other schools are recruiting too. Mm-hmm. By whatever means we want to talk about, you want to yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. paying players with NIL or offering them this and that, whatever, um, and it, that certainly matters, but other schools are, are, are doing their stuff too. Speaking of NIL and, and specifically Hills for Life, everybody in this chat, be on the lookout for uh, Joey Powell's interview with Graham Boone. That'll drop tomorrow. Graham Boone, of course, the executive director of Hills for Life. He has a lot to say and a lot to discuss about the, the NIL portion and, and the recruiting side of it even, and then you know how players are looked after or taken care of, it, it, the quote-unquote Carolina way of handling NIL. And, of course, he talks about the last week with Eric Church benefit and all that kind of stuff. So that'll, that'll drop tomorrow. It's not live. It's, Joey's already recorded that with Graham but it'll drop tomorrow. So check out that. It's a lot of good information on that side of things. Don, uh, before we move on to 2025, w- there's still another commitment out there or, or another announcement out there. I should say a commitment announcement. Um, in Javaris green, mm-hmm. uh, that is, it, that's still what August 18th, which is, I guess next Friday. Yes.
2: Yes. I believe it's the, their, their opener, their season opener.
1: And, and so tell us the, th- the plan, as you know it, for that announcement. um, God, high school football is already starting next Friday. It's, is that a? It's crazy. Yeah, it's that's it, a game. It's an actual yeah, game. a real so, game. Is that is that a pregame announcement? A postgame announcement? So I gotta what find
2: out. I gotta find out details. I probably won't know them until next week. I haven't reached out um, yet to get exact details. He's told me a little bit of what the plan is. I think so. They're playing, I believe, Gaffney, and the plan is. I guess that game is being streamed or telecast or something along those lines and the hope from the group that is streaming showing it whatever is for him to do it live right before the game. So that's that's tentative obviously as we know there's lots of logistics that are involved with those sort of things. So that's definitely something that we want that I will be looking into to figure out how Inside Carolina can cover it, obviously, because, you know, his finalists are North Carolina, Michigan State, and Alabama. You probably, actually, they'll probably, you know, let's just forget about Alabama. He never officially visited there. You know, um, he only visited there once. You know, he officially visited North Carolina and Michigan State. So it obviously comes down to, you know, that distance, being in-state, that sort of thing. So I think it will come down to those two schools.
1: That's crazy to have to worry about where I'm committing right before I play a game.
2: Well, That's, he well, he so we did a report with him. It might have been 2 weeks ago where he actually said he already made the decision. So right. now it's just now it's just a matter of you know, the presentation. And if you've ever seen these pre-game presentations, I've seen a couple of them. They're not elaborate for reasons that you're kind of alluding to. You just you have
1: other things you got to worry about,
2: especially the first game.
1: Yeah. And it's not like they're playing a FCS opponent that's no, is no playing good. Gaffey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they, they start off with a bang there. 2024 class, you know, we've discussed it. You've talked about um, what may be next in that class. Just sort of reiterate that for our, our people that are listening. And shout out to the new folks. I see some new names in the chat. Um, 2024, I guess they're they're done unless other names emerge here early in the high school season, right? So they're We're done. Not technically done. Yeah, but.
2: yeah. Well, you you never know when you're actually done. You never want to shut the door, but they do want a, a defense alignment because, as I mentioned, the the, the Justin Terrell kid um, was kind of slated for that D line spot. So they want another D lineman, and so I, from what I gather, I, I expect that to be you know the probably it probably it will most likely be a kid that we haven't heard of before. It's it's going to be a late bloomer. Is probably going to be a kid who, for whatever reason, didn't have great seasons prior, and is and is playing well this season. Last year, there were a couple of guys. You know, UNC was looking at some um, DBs, skill guys, and um, a couple of them emerged. Um, one was playing out of position. You know, the other one was a quarterback who schools are now giving him a look at uh, at DB because uh, he had played a couple of uh, of uh, Played safety in a couple of games, and schools like some of his film. So, um, so I, I expect that sort of scenario to play out, where it's a kid that UNC was it wasn't even on UNC's radar prior to the season starting.
1: So that's an interesting take. It, it's twelve twenty-three. I'm gonna do a Johnny T-shirt deal. Early, usually do them at, at the midway point. Don Callahan, live on location at Huff High. No commitment coming today. We're nope. not going to have somebody walk through that door and commit to North Carolina here on the noon dish. Um, but I want to say a couple words, Johnny T-shirt and Johnny T-shirt t-shirt.com. It's a great time to get your gear for North Carolina's football season coming up. Um, it is hot and heavy on the beat. It is hot and heavy in Chapel Hill starting Monday when students start moving back in. But you need to get the Johnny T-shirt if you're there for that. Get by Johnny T-shirt, visit them in store, take care of them. Great customer service and you're 10% off. If you're watching this, you've got Inside Carolina Premium. If you happen to not be on Inside Carolina Premium and you're in here, go click it, get it, and you get that 10% off. And a bunch of other perks that you get. I mean, Paramount Plus, all that kind of stuff you get. But the Johnny T-shirt discount is free money. Take care of them. Take care of Johnny T-shirt. National guys will pay the bills this noon dish. It's Wednesday, August
0: 9th
2: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash
1: switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, Don, we're back with the noon dish. Can I I ask you questions? You can ask me questions or we can talk about your scoop without giving away the scoop because I have some questions off that.
2: All right, why don't you ask those questions and then I'll have some questions for you.
1: Good deal. We can do that. So weekly scoop you dropped yesterday. It is sort of, sort of a look ahead to the 2025 class. So I don't want to give away a ton of that, but I do want to kind of ask you um, you've got a a lot of names in state in this report. And and like I told people, if you're not on premium, you need to get it so you can check out Don's work Uh, and check it out here. Not where it gets recycled out in the ether by some folks, Um, potentially by some folks. But anyway, I digress. National recruits, high power five recruits. Explain for listeners what you consider to be a national recruit, because it doesn't necessarily mean that these are the only kids with offers nationally. What what, what do you mean by national recruits? So the goal
2: of this is to kind of be, and this is what I've done for years, in preparation for my um, my top, well, now it's a top twenty five in state rankings, which I've been doing for I don't know, I mean, fifteen years or whatever it is, and um, this just kind of gives me a good jumping off point for all these guys. And I hope people understand that that, and I can't emphasize it enough that that this is just a guide, a good starting point. And the thought is is that players or, or prospects. Are going to move up and down these "quote unquote" tiers, and then from the tiers, I'm going to. I wanted to kind of lay out who are the guys to kind of look at. In this, you know, I started this a year ago, and I didn't want to do a ranking because I don't think that's fair for me and for the kids and all that sort of stuff at this early on. Um, so Ben and I came up with the idea of doing tiers. You know, kind of tiering them and where where they kind of sit at from, and it, you know, what sort of interest they're getting at this point. And so the national, to answer your actual question, the national recruits are guys who are being truly recruited nationally. That doesn't just mean you have an offer out of nowhere from, you know, Alabama and they, they aren't talking to you. That means like David Sanders has an offer from Alabama and he's visited there multiple times. So clearly there's a mutual interest sort of thing, you know, um, so national, it, to me, is like when you are being seriously recruited by basically playoff contending schools, Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, you know, uh, I mean, I would throw even schools that haven't made the playoff like Texas in there, um, if they're legitimately recruiting you and that sort of thing, you know, Oklahoma, you know, on and on and on, you know, um, so that's what the, that's what that category The high power five, I wanted to do it last year. I decided not to. After I posted it, I regretted doing the high power five. I probably should have just thrown all the power five guys in there just because, and and I didn't really get a whole lot of pushback, but I think a couple people were kind of confused, but again, it's just guys who are legitimately getting recruited by schools that maybe not playoff caliber, but. You know, or maybe it's just one playoff caliber guy. You know what I mean? Like schools that are competing for conference championships and all this sort of stuff. I, the, the categories are purposely kind of vague. Because you know, it's it, it, because it's just a guide, and the whole idea is that. And I mentioned this, and this is where I think we threw some people off, was when I did this exercise a year ago. I had sixteen prospects listed as power five or above. Okay. And what ended up happening was right now, I think there's 41 power five commits. So the thinking is, is, and if you go back and look at who's in the group of five where Ziegler was in the group of five, um, Khalil Connolly was in, the, in, was in the group of five. There was all these guys you know, um, that were in the group of five who eventually scored offers or scored interest or, or whatever, or showed what they needed to do. And then we're able to kind of move up. So um look at that list and just think. I mean, obviously, if you're if you're David Sanders, you're you're not getting better better offers than what you already have. Yeah. But if you're in that group of five, there is definitely the potential for you to kind of go up. Now I'm not gonna go into details, as you said, we don't want to get going into details, but when I kind of broke it down and looked at it, I felt like actually looking at the power five group, there was a lot of guys who could definitely make that leap up to national or high power five recruit. But at least in the current group of five group that I had, I didn't feel like there was a whole lot of, you know, ascension potential because I felt like a lot of those prospects have kind of, you know, group of five is probably where their ceiling is at because of, you know, measurables and, 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 you know, and that sort of thing.
1: So if you were a high school recruit, you were a high school recruit when you, when you were in high school, where would you be on this list?
2: I would probably be nowhere near it.
1: <laughs> um, NAI, would you make that level? Uh, m- m- maybe intramural. I mean... <laughs> Third-team intramural all-conference.
2: All yeah. all uh, intramural flag football.
1: <laughs> so, so basically... Um, just to sort of you know water it down a little bit. national recruits can go anywhere they want in the country. They, they, yeah. they had that ability, most of them have that ability anywhere they possibly want. high power five, you know they've got their fair share. Power five, you know we know what that means. And then group of five guys, as you see it now and, and folks need to understand, these guys are going into their junior season yeah. in high school. so they they still have a lot of growth in them. Um, going to be college players, and it's a big deal to be to play college level football. Oh, it always cracks me up. How yeah, I hear people, especially on the high school baseball side, you got to go D one, you got to go D one. Yeah, um, all of these guys are D one prospects. It, here, it,
2: if you if I can, I guess pull out an example. Go for it. All right, so I'll use Bryce Baker, and I actually did lay this out in the scoops. So just was giving a little sneak preview. I have him as a power five. But I mentioned the fact that he's transferring to, we talked about transfers earlier. He was at Walkertown, which is not even that, I don't know, less than 10 years old of a high school. He's transferring to East Foresight high school, which has won state championships within the, the past 10, 20 years has coach Todd Willard, who has been there for what feels like a hundred years. One of my favorite coaches to deal with. Um, absolutely nuts, but he's great. Um <laughs> But they have a great um, staff there that has been there for a very long time. They run a great offense. So you're taking a kid with his talent. And he also feels – every time I see him, I feel like he's grown an inch. So – and then he's going to go to this school. He's going to put up massive numbers, probably going to make a long, deep state championship run. That's only going to help his stock. Fortunately for UNC, he's committed to UNC – but um his stock's gonna rise and so I feel like he's a guy who could I feel like I feel like the offers could continue to to flow in for him based off of what he does this season.
1: It'd be interesting to watch and again folks need to check out this. It's just fascinating how many names and how much contents in one weekly scoop by Don Callahan and and we hit on it, we don't go into detail because you gotta get on the premium to do it. And uh, I need a, 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 not a breaking news thing, but I need like a, a buzzer. Shout out to Will Reason. He says, <laughs> I was this reading that too. First time, first time, you know, I got to mention, <laughs> it, it cracks me up. But uh, it's not the first time I've heard it, actually. Well, who, but, is,
2: uh, who is Luke Bryan?
1: Oh, my God. You don't know who Luke Bryan is. No. Is he a country singer? He's a country singer. Okay. And, uh, I think he's on like American Idol or one of those shows too. I can't keep them all apart. But anyway shout out to him. He says first time able to get off work and, and watch it live. If you are in here for the first time live, give us a holler in the chat as well and also drop chats for uh drop questions for Don. Will the 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 top 5 today is top 5 North Carolina current North Carolina football players most important for 2023. We've got several in there as well all right you wanted to ask me some questions yeah do you, well
2: first question this is not this was not one of my original questions do you encourage people to take off work to watch or i guess yeah watch the noon dish live
1: um i encourage them just to do it at work um just yeah. turn the volume down or put the, your lunch uh, break put your earbuds in or watch it on the, yeah absolutely and since i'm retired um yeah screw it man just just get online and watch us during work hours i mean you gotta eat and you gotta listen this is this show is as important as eating lunch it is right
2: i would i would not eat lunch that day and watch this show that's how important it is
1: i would uh yeah i i I would maybe eat my sandwich and, and watch the show if you need some nutrition and some hydration but i mean people get out here and they join us it is awesome um However few, however many, it's amazing that people take their times out of their day to watch us here at noon on Wednesdays. More questions. I'm a, I'm an open book, Don. All right. So
2: let's say I have a friend who gambles um, and they have a working theory that the defense will actually be better this year because of the maturity. Because a lot of these guys who came in are now going into what? I guess their third year now fourth yeah. year um so how does the defense from what you've seen and i know you you they don't show you a whole lot but has the defense look better
1: they look better and, and as jason staples and i talked about yesterday and, and of course i'll be totally honest we said this a little bit last year as well um, you have to discern whether the defense is getting better or the offense is getting worse or vice versa, right? You don't, you don't want to go in saying, well, we know North Carolina's offense is dominant and now the defense may be dominating them in practice at times. So that means the defense is great. We'll ultimately find out, uh, on, um, September 2nd, but from a pure physical maturity standpoint and a, um, look-see, as Jason Staples likes to say, off the hoof. These guys put in the work in the off offseason, um, and they've made some pro- improvements. And uh, they've made strides, I think, going up against that offense. You've got an offensive line that is, you know, as old as it gets in college football, and now you've got a defensive line that is becoming mature. They were, what, the 21 and 22 classes, or, the, or You know, Mac's early classes are now getting some age on them. So I think just in the general course of development, without any coaching, you get better, right? You improve, you get more mature, stronger, and all that. And I've said it on the show, and I said it yesterday, Tamari Fox Mm -hmm. is going to be a problem Mm. for folks. And he looks very good. I think they'll be better. We'll have to wait and see there'll be no excuses if they're not because you can't say they're still young. Yeah. You know, you can't say they don't have depth because they've mm-hmm. got some depth now. Um, They need to stay yeah, healthy. Max says
2: that like all the time. And I'm like, you could say it when you first arrived, but like now, if you don't have depth, now it's your pro, It's your fault.
1: Yeah. I, I agree with that. Yes. I agree with that. But, I mean, there, I think
2: there's depth. I think there's depth there.
1: Yeah, but I think you have to build it, you know. Yeah. And if your depth is a freshman or a, you know, a true sophomore and all, then then that's is that really depth? College level P5, you know, high major depth. I, I think they're getting there when you've got a guy like Javari Ritzy that will potentially be, you know, the second string three technique. Yeah. I mean, that, that's pretty solid. That's yeah, that's right? a
2: kid who played a bunch as a true freshman.
1: Yeah, so so they've, they've built that. They're not there across the board, but I think on the defensive line, they've got bodies there that can be effective that they haven't had in the past. And, you know, I'm not giving any justification for how poor the defense has been the last couple of years, but – um, they have addressed issues that were issues last year. We'll see how it plays out against South Carolina because South Carolina is going to come out and kick them in the teeth, just like they did in the bowl game a couple of years ago. And, um, you know, w- when you play in that game, there's nothing more that South Carolina and vice versa want to do than to bully one another who can do that. The best, I think will be important to watch the offensive line. Mm. They need to get some things cleaned up and get some things sorted out. And those guys need to get better. And I think they will as well. But the defensive line, to me, first look and what we've been able to see certainly looks clearly better than they have been.
2: I know this is difficult to tell in the practices you see. But, I mean, to me, the biggest question mark is, you know, is the defensive line getting pressure on the backfield, on the quarterback, on the running game? And I don't feel like that has been – been the case you know the past well definitely not last season and I don't think it's really you know I mean, Chizik's not a big like pressure guy so is do you think that they're going to be able to get some pressure on the backfield
1: uh, you know I think that they have taken steps to do that um, we highlighted Des Evans uh, you know, Dez has always been that strong arm rusher and he uses yeah. his arm to do that qu- sort of stiff arm. Well, he displayed a spin move yesterday and practice okay. that we've seen maybe a couple times in his life. And, mm-hmm. and to Jason's point last night, he does that in the game and it works. Then that's a sack if he finishes yeah. the play. And, and that alone is something that decreases. you know, they brought in Ted Monachino to, um, to help develop more pass rush and all. And, and so they've been working on it. And I don't think we can discount having Kamen Rucker, who is a problem, and then Amari Gaynor for Florida State. I mean, you put those guys on the edge. And, again, it's one of those things like if if they don't get better and if they're not improved and they don't get more pressure during season, then something's fatally wrong in the program. Uh, But I think they will. And, And I think they have the ability to do that. Especially when you add somebody in the defensive backfield like Elijah Huzzy, mm-hmm. that can just take away a guy. You know, yeah. there's not going to be a situation with him out there where a quarterback can get immediate pressure and have somebody wide open. Yeah, I mean, it's just not going to happen with Huzzy. So it's interesting to watch. And of so course, he- I'm the guy. I'm the I'm the one that gets overly um, optimistic and then makes a prediction <laughs> five or six years ago. It feels like, and people are still yelling that at me when they see me in public
2: <laughs> so um yeah well, but if you make a negative uh if you're critical then everyone's going to say that you have something against north carolina yeah. or you have some you know what i mean so it's like well i
1: try to be I, and this is what's interesting to me about that is when when you have and i'm not tooting inside carolina's horn at all here it's people that cover it on a daily basis what i have a problem with is when people flash in and flash out and they have something to say about it. You know, like, you get a national guy, and this is a point that Mac would make a lot, I think. You get guys that don't pay attention every day, and they see something bad happen, and then that's all they they talk about. I'm going to tell what I see. I've been doing it long enough to know um, and to understand the difference, but I'd like to think that Anything I say or anything that the rest of us say here in South Carolina is based on least knowledge, you know, yes. or as yeah, much yeah, knowledge yeah. as you can get, um, rather than just, you know, looking at a box score or seeing a fourth quarter of a game, you know, 11 months ago. So,
2: yeah, and I think in general, and I'm not going to dive into this rabbit hole, but, um, society in general it's like everyone acts like you have something negative to say it's like the, the worst thing in the world you're the worst person but in reality you know things are positive and things are negative you know that's just how it is you know but anyway,
1: ultimately it comes down to wins and losses that's yeah, all that matters. Yeah, bring,
2: yes yeah yeah uh, yeah i th- so so here i disagree and I think the 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 nine wins last year is is, is why I will counter with that because everyone's not happy with nine wins because not every win and not every loss are are the same, and you know I was listening to some radio some podcast that was it was it was a national podcast but they were they were talking about North Carolina and their wins and losses and everything like that and they're talking about just going back to the the FAMU right yeah the FAMU yeah. game and how north carolina should have just absolutely dominated them not because not just because the talent level was just so on different levels but fam which i completely forgot was shorthanded didn't know who was going to play so their game plan was kind of screwed and all this sort of stuff but yet i mean unc won unc won convincingly but that wasn't a good look and then you just go through each game you know you have the app game which we don't need to talk about you lose to Georgia Tech with a with you know crappy Georgia Tech team. You just fire their fire their staff and and they have what a third string quarterback or whatever. NC State had a third string quarterback, you know, um, and then even like the other games. I mean, the ACC wasn't good last year, and UNC didn't dominate. Really, I mean, I guess maybe it was I guess the Pitt game, I guess was they a dominated, dominated Pitt. Game. They dominated, dominated Virginia Tech. Tech. Yeah, I, I think Pitt
1: were... was pretty good. Virginia Tech not so much. Yeah. I mean the bottom line is. Is here's how I look at it, you know, they won nine. That's more yeah. than Carolina's won. However, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. And, and but I do think they left opportunities out there. It should yes. have been an eleven win season and all, um, and how it ended. And when you lose to NC State, it doesn't matter if they'd gone eleven and one and lost to NC State. Some people would say it was a failure, and I get that. I understand the rivalry, um, and I think you know maybe more more intention needs to be placed on that game than there is but you, you know we know how they won those nine games it yeah. was a lot of Drake May Miracles well if yes. they had won 11 and they lost to to, to Clemson in Oregon in the in the bowl game and gone you know 11 and three or whatever would you feel any better about it would it make a I think would it, it was, make a substantial so difference in I this think- team this year?
2: Well, I mean, probably not this team. But I think the thing was, if I can kind of tie it all together, is it almost like I felt like every game you're waiting for that disappointing loss because of all of the problems you saw happen in those wins, and then and that happened finally in the Georgia Tech and the NC State game. Yes. You know what I mean? And it was it was the defense. And I I don't I don't know Max says it got better. I don't I don't know I don't know. Maybe it did, but you know. I don't know. Um,
1: yeah, I th- I think, well, I think the numbers, if you look at the numbers across the season, and Greg Barnes does a great job laying these out, uh, they didn't get better. You know, they, yeah. they may have given up less points, but I guess that's better. Anyway, I, I don't, I definitely don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But, you know, if they go 11 and three last year, I don't think it's, other than, they win eleven and three. I don't think it. Well, so who
2: are the so who are the two extra wins? I think that matters. You beat NC State. Well, so you beat NC State and Georgia Tech, and then still lose to Clemson. Yeah. And Oregon. Yeah. I mean, I guess you're probably right. You know that I don't that,
1: think the, pe- would people think that that Carolina was dominant last year? What, you know. No, I, I, I think
2: I still think because I, I, yeah, I still think that there will be question marks because I still think that even though you know, because like I said, a lot of those wins. UNC just didn't win the way you felt like they should, considering how much more talented they were than their opponent. So even though you 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 beat NC State, you beat like you should have beat Georgia Tech. So if if, if now one of those wins is Georgia Tech, well you should have beat Georgia Tech, and really you should have beat, you should have beat NC State. I mean, if you were looking at recruiting rankings, I mean everyone brings this up when we're talking about what recruits North Carolina gets and NC State gets. UNC historically kills NC State on average every year in recruiting, but yet. NC State is one of the last two. And really, I don't know what the stat is off the top of my head, but NC State has, has won a lot, you know, since I've been covering the beat. Yeah. You know what I mean? And 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 really it shouldn't be that way considering how UNC recruits. Um, so but yeah, I don't think it would be to the degree that we're seeing, but I still think that there would be some pushback a little bit. But yeah. so going to back to this season, one of the other questions I had is you bring in Chip Lindsey, who I think he's a, I think he's actually um, a much better recruiter than I thought initially, you know, just from little things. But I won't get you know, and I've gotten into it before. Um, but I'm curious because he, w- with when he was with Gus Malzahn, which he wasn't really the OC, but they ran a completely different offense. You know, it was an offense that you know the quarterback was running a ton, which I'm sure they don't want to do with Drake May. So I mean, how how does the offense look? That you've seen compared to how it looked last year.
1: I don't know that we've seen enough to be able to say. Now Jason can probably break it down and has, but you know I think the 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 passing game is pretty similar, if not it's not identical. They'll do some different things. Um, and of course, Tez Walker's availability will, will make a gigantic difference. Whether he's out there or not um, will be a big difference, but. I think where the offense is going to look different is they're going to be more intentional to run to football and get north. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw a lot of inside run yesterday in practice um, and where it was just straight up, you know, you, you go offensive line, defensive line, no, no wide outs and all and go at it. And, and so I think that's going to be a main feature. Um, I hesitate. Here's my thought on Chip Lindsey and, and I stole some of this from Greg Barnes, and Greg, shout out to Greg for, for mentioning it. Chip Lindsay's under a ton of pressure, I think. Um, yeah. Because, because it, he gets he gets brought in, and Carolina's offense, they, there's some shortcomings in certain areas, but just on grand scheme of things, Longo's offense was the best that North Carolina's ever had as far as yeah. scoring and all that. And, and now Lindsay comes in, He's got Drake May, who everybody says is, if not the best quarterback in the nation, top two. Mm -hmm. He's here presumably for one year. You've got an Mm -hmm. offensive line that is, um, like I mentioned before, as old as it gets in college football. I mean, it'd be tough to have offensive line with more experience than North Carolina has right now there. And you've got, potentially now, a a, a receiver that is a – could be elite on the outside with Walker, if he's able to play, you've got McCollum and then you've got a couple, a few young guys, and you've got a running back room um, that has as much talent on paper as they've had in a long time. He has to produce this year. Yeah. No, you're right. Because next year who knows who's doing who's in those positions, especially on the line and especially at quarterback. So I think Lindsay's job, everybody says, just don't screw it up. Well, it's not quite that simple. He's got to devise a plan because whatever happened the last four games of the year, and we can debate that, whether Longo was gone or whatever, North Carolina's offense was slowed down significantly. So how does Lindsey create something that that doesn't happen? Because if I'm South Carolina, I'm doing exactly what NC State did or exactly what Georgia Tech did. So that is his rub to deal with, and he has to do it with the expectations that are about as high as they get. No, you know. I,
2: I, I think you hit it exactly. I mean, because if everyone's going to forget the how the offense to performed towards the end of the season, if Chimp Lindsey, if the offense hasn't performed well this season, they're just going to remember Longo as this, you know, high on the pedestal sort of thing. They're going to forget all that sort. Of, that's just how it is. Um, But it's. So I know a lot of people don't like, and you mentioned, there are reasons why you can't trust what national media people say because they don't follow these teams closely. But I I do find value in, I definitely find value in, in listening to what Greg, I think Greg is, from a from a breaking it down, from just a memory standpoint, is just just on a completely different level than everybody else. I'm not just saying because he works with me, because um, I talk badly about Tommy all the time.
1: You um, absolutely do. <laughs> and I'll freely admit Greg is – um, as good as it gets and yeah. getting in the weeds yes. with statistics and facts and all that kind of stuff. It's fascinating. To and
2: applying to it. it properly. Yes. Um, but I do think that there is value because I think you can get too deep into the forest. You know what I mean? Right. And I'm not, So I, I'm saying that taking different, I, I'm a big take different views sort of person. You know what I mean? So I do think there's value, especially like Um, I mean, the podcast I was listening to was the cover three, um, which I think they do a good job because I think Bud Elliott does a really good job of analyzing things. And definitely from a a um, uh, gambling standpoint, which I mean, he's trying to make money on these things. I mean, he's a legitimate trying to gamble. And so his point was that there are question marks with Mac Brown's coordinator hires. And I think he's he's right now. Obviously, if the offense comes out and looks great against South Carolina, I mean this is, that's gonna be on um wait, that's gonna be on national television, you know, then a lot of these question marks just completely go away. If the defense looks really good, even though South Carolina I don't know, South Carolina's offense is kind of weird. I don't I don't know if it's a great measuring stick, but if it looks really good, it's gonna help um Chiswick's kind of um the perception of Chiswick. Yeah.
1: So so yeah. There's a want- ton of moving parts. The thing is, is, is that there fans are, there. there's a wide gamut of fans for every school and that's no different at North Carolina. I mean, if they beat South Carolina by one point, 61 to 60, well, that's a win, but people will, there will be a group of people that, you know, have lost their minds and I understand that. Um. But the bottom line is, I don't know if South
2: Carolina to... is capable of putting out that many points. But <sighs> I know you're. I know the point you're getting at. But I'm thinking, I don't know that offense. They don't trust uh, what's his name. Um, God, the transfer from Oklahoma,
1: Rattler. I don't they know. don't trust someone, Rattler. I don't someone, know. It, it, Some... it, either way, I mean, I think I think there's a lot of pressure on this North Carolina man. We're getting out of the we getting yeah, out yeah, of yeah. the recruiting aspect of it, but I think it, but it, it does affect. You, you mentioned. These 2025 kids, North Carolina needs to have a good season. And then
2: also, this is selfish for me. I'm not able to, you know, I was talking to a parent here at at the scrimmage, and they're asking me all these questions about the team. And I'm like, I don't freaking know. I don't go to these practices. I try to read the scoop stuff that we post. But I'm I'm at high school practices, um, you know, throughout the week. So that's monopolizing a lot of my time. So I'm just trying to educate myself. And I know Tommy knows this stuff. You know, Tommy's out there, you know trying to dig up all the nuggets and all that. So um, so anyway, but do you want to get to our top five? Or, do you, or, or?
1: Let's get to the top five. I was trying to look through and see if there was any deep questions, and there's some questions in here. I'll okay. kind of do them rap- rapid fire. Um, but top five UNC football players, important UNC football players this year for the season. Um, first of all, Preston asked a question right out the gate, and I want you to answer this, and you've got one minute to answer it. One minute. 2025 yeah. seems stronger at the top. How deep is the 2025 class looking early? Are you saying and, I'm and long-winded? We'll say, can be. No, actually, you're not, but you went on for a while today. It was like the longest time you've spoken straight through. I was impressed. 2025, North Carolina class. How deep is it?
2: Yeah, so I think – it, it seems like it, it seems like it, it's going to be deeper than the 2024 class. And I think actually the 2026 class is going to even be even deeper. If, for those who, who've been following it, the 2021 class was at least during the internet error, which starts about roughly 2002 was the best in-state class for the state of North Carolina. And it just seems like, and, and COVID kind of contributed to this, but it seems like since then there's been like, you know, the, uh, regressing to the mean a little bit, you know, with the, the classes haven't been all that great, but it's slowly, when you kind of look at the numbers, it's slowly kind of trickling up. And the 2024 class is actually better than what I initially thought. And I think the 2025 class will be, you know, a step above that also.
1: Indeed, indeed. 2025, they're going to be juniors in high school. How old we get. Is there any uh, other questions in there? Will Will Reason ask? I was wondering how much the Jordan brand helps recruiting in football and basketball. I see videos and posts online of how excited the guys are when they get the shoe deals or the shoe drops. Is that a big deal in recruiting?
2: So I think it definitely is something that resonates with kids for sure. It's kind of like I always like to ask kids, you know, when I do my intro stories with kids, the first interviews, you know, what schools, what schools do you like growing up? Just to kind of get a feel. And it's crazy how much I hear about Oregon. And it's because of the jerseys, you know? And so I think the Jordan brand is not on that level, but it's definitely something that kids have mentioned. Oh, UNC is, you know, Jordan brand. Now, no kid is going to choose to go to unc because it's sponsored by jordan just like no school is going to choose to go to oregon because you get to you, you'll wear like 52 different jerseys by the end of your career <laughs> but it helps it definitely helps um and it's definitely something that for a kid who is probably not focused on the right things is definitely going to resonate for with them for sure i mean you know jordan chip mentioned that to me you know, I something yeah. that he thought was really cool was that you know the Jordan brand, but he didn't pick North Carolina for that. He picked North Carolina because of his relationship with Lonnie Galloway, because it was a school that he grew up rooting for, and because of the offense.
1: Have you ever heard a kid say, "Man, I can't wait to put on those New Balances, those New Balance cleats"? <laughs> <laughs> I started to no, say but, Puma, but I don't know if anybody know what Puma and Cougars were.
2: Well, my my wife's a big Puma wearing wear.
1: Well, they used to have Cougars. C U G A. They were uh-huh. knockoff Pumas back in my day. Um, yes. All right. But no, let's go. To and nobody,
2: the nobody says, "Hey, I can't wear to put wait to put on that Adidas."
1: Uh, I, I ain't going to do that because that would seem a little petty. But I tend to. <laughs> I do have a pair of Adidas. They're my my walking shoes, my old man walking shoes. <laughs> uh, Will Reason, I uh, appreciate the shout out. I'm not going to read that off. That's a little embarrassing, but I'll take it. Uh, shout out to that. All right. I'm trying to narrow down the top five North Carolina important players. All right. Alan Minton. I'll give it to you, and I think you clarify it later. Um, but OLDL, Huzzy, Drake, Hardy, slash Biggers. Preston, Drake May Cedric Gray, William Barnes, Caleb Hood, and the eligibility office. I think I'd probably move the eligibility office up on the list. Hubert B. Hoyle, top five. Drake, Huzzy, Miles Murphy, Ryan Coe. That's a big dude, man. If they yeah. need a like a four-string linebacker, bring the kicker in. And a Marion Hampton. Sean Crowley, May, Barnes, Gray, Huzzy, Brooks in a comeback year. Uh, it says Murphy. Is very important. Obviously, Alan Minton clarified and said, "William Barnes and Miles Murphy. We will reason Drake May, Cedric Gray, Ryan Tez Walker, if available, and the entire defensive line." Um, just a question that we'll ask: You think McCollum steps in even more without Tez, or could that hurt his numbers? I think McCollum's going to have a big year either way. Of course, he'll get he a lot more a different sort of role. Yeah, and he'll get a lot more um, freedom of movement. I think with with Walker out there, but I think either way, he has a big year. You think K- so?
2: So it isn't, uh, McCollum and, um, Oh God, forgetting his name. Um, are they playing the same sort of position?
1: They, they are slots, but I think both can be, certainly be on the field together. I think Pesor can play outside. I think McCollum can play outside if necessary. Okay. I think ideally you want McCollum in that slot. Mm -hmm. because he's a problem for for anybody but he's a problem for a nickel corner or you know an outside linebacker
2: yeah he's a stalky guy in addition to his quickness
1: yeah and he uh he dropped a pass in practice yesterday which i think shocked everybody that's paying attention because he's got one career drop at georgia tech and uh he was quite irritated at himself for that km shire's May Heisman and Maxwell, these are the award lists or uh, the award things they're up for. Tez is Blitnikoff, Gray, Nagurski, and Drew Manley, or excuse me, Drew Littles up for the Manley. I think that's the long snapper award. So a lot of good answers there. Um, let me back that out, make sure nobody has. Randy M's, May, Omarion, Marcus Allen, Evans, and Barnes. See, there's somebody new like Cougars. It felt like the uh, the seams on the cougars were like put together with um like spiderweb or something because if you walked funny, your toes would be sticking out the end of them. All right, Don, top five for you important uh, players.
2: So uh, five all the way up. Number five. Let's see. Do I have five? Okay. Uh, Tez Walker, and that's obviously contingent upon the NCAA because I think um, well at least Longa's offense seemed to do really well when it had a true deep threat. I think that's what he is. I liked what I think it was Allen did where he listed certain groups because I think I listed Miles Murphy. Um I think that they as I mentioned earlier, they need to get more pressure on the backfield in the in the run game and then also on the quarterback, which you know, Murphy obviously handles both. Um and I mean so does Kamen Rucker, who's my number three, but more Rucker. I'm hoping for North Carolina's purposes that he provides that um that pass rush and gets the rush on the quarterback that, that they need it. Um, I put also Eliza, Elijah Huzzy, although I think probably I could bump him down and put the pass rush up a little bit higher. Um, just because I think it would be good for North Carolina. Um, cause there's a lot of teams that they're playing, you know, may not have a whole lot of great receivers. So if you could take, if they only have one good receiver and he's able to blanket them, that'd be awesome. And number number one, I don't see how anyone can not have Drake May. Number one, if Drake May, you know, can't play the full season, um, the 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 season. I mean, everything changes dramatically. I don't think there's another player on this team that you can say that about.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree with that. I think May's, um, you know, he he needs to improve some things. We've talked about it a lot on our other broadcasts. Um, but he is clearly the most important player on that roster. Um, we saw what he means last year. I think it'll be more of the same. I think a guy on defense like Cedric Gray is the same way. I mean, Cedric Gray played 900-plus snaps. He is the guy in the middle there. They need to figure out how to get some linebacker depth, but Cedric Gray needs to be on the field as much as possible. I think Huzzy's ability to shut down a third of the field is is big, very big, especially – given the unknowns at this point with the defensive line. um, They go hand in hand. A lot of people are saying Miles Murphy. I'm going to go with, uh, I'll I'll say Miles Murphy too at that position. I think that position is important. I think Des Evans needs to have a big year. You know, we've laughed and joked a little bit about when Gregory Hall, shout out Gregory, predicted he'd have 10 10 sacks a couple years ago or last year, and he hasn't. Produced, I think they've got to get something out of Dez in the pass rush game. There's so many to, to think about. I think Jonathan Adorno on the offensive lines is, is, is pretty important. If he's going to be the guy at one of the guard positions, right guard, I believe. He's got to be better um, because Drake May struggled with pressure up the gut. Most quarterbacks do, and, and I think that's an important position. A lot of people talk about William Barnes out at left tackle. You know, I'd love to see a situation where they could move Diego Pounds there and slide Barnes back inside, but, you know, if, you, if you're if you going to group them, and I said it watching practice yesterday, and I said it on the shows last night, this season boils down to the lines. They are the difference between eight wins and 11, 10 or 11. And, you know, and that's, that's across the board, both of those position groups. And... and you know, we talked about it earlier, is how good are they or are they going to be better? We'll see. But I think those that are – those make it that much more easy for this team to get to that 10 or 11 wins if those lines both are above average. You know, for the defensive line, average would probably be sufficient. And then Tez Walker needs to play. Uh, I mean, Jason sort of outlined the importance of having a a deep threat, and, and Walker is that. I mean, we remember Diamond Brown against Clemson like what? The first series of the game against Clemson, he blows straight, and in 2019, he blows straight by their corner, who's now what an All-Pro cornerback, and he made him look silly. And then that game completely changed on that play, and North Carolina had a very good opportunity to beat number one team in the country. That's how important a guy like Walker is. Anything left, Don? We've got an MVP. We'll we'll talk after that. After this for the MVP.
2: Yes. Um, No, I think that's basically it. I mean, there's not a whole lot going on recruiting wise. We have a bunch of stuff coming up on underclassmen. You know, I know some people are like, wait a second, you know, the 24 class, 24 class is basically done. We got to move on to the underclassmen. Their visits are going to be important during the fall. So I'm doing what I can to kind of introduce everybody to those underclassmen um, and get information on those guys out there.
1: Yeah, it is uh, an interesting time as the season is getting closer. Stay with Inside Carolina for, of course, complete reports on all the breaking news, Walker News, um, player profiles. Tomorrow, like I mentioned, Graham Boone and Joey Powell podcast drops. It's a, a fascinating listen on the importance of Heels for Life and the opportunity folks have to be a part of that and to get some understanding of what they do and how North Carolina is going to use the collective in the recruiting game and in the uh, in the game in general. Um, we've got a realignment podcast tomorrow. Really? I guess tomorrow night. Yeah. We're going to get together and have a round table. Should be quite spirited on this realignment stuff. Um, Man,
2: why don't I get invited to those things?
1: Do you want to be on that one? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, so SEC or ACC or Big Ten? Um. It's a hot I a mean, I would, I, I would like, prevent.
2: I would like North Carolina, I would like the ACC to stay together. That's what I would like. You know, I think the SEC makes the most sense as far as like culturally and what the fans would want. And, you know, the Big Ten doesn't make a whole lot of sense with all that sort of stuff. But I mean, really, I, you know, I would like the ACC to stay together.
1: Oh, yeah, it's going to be interesting the next few years to see how this all shakes out. It's crazy though how, you know, it's almost like when you're in a group of people and somebody runs or there's a loud noise and somebody runs yeah and then everybody's nice and calm loud noise somebody runs and everybody starts running that's what yeah. it feels like in this realignment stuff colorado makes a move and then it's like everybody's like oh my god it's happening and everybody's moving around well if you we'll look talk- at
2: the stuff that and i know we don't want to get into this but if you look at the stuff that the, the pac 12 was offering and getting offers from it wasn't very enticing for anyone to stay so i think that kind of Open the door completely, you know. um yeah. We got a yeah. sandwich.
1: You can get a sandwich and a, a drink combo if you'll stay in the pack, pack twelve. And all, they were all like, "Peace, we're out of yeah. here." <laughs> yeah, So nuts. I, I, it's crazy, crazy time in, in college athletics, um, but a lot of it being discussed at inside Carolina. Join us live tomorrow night, nine o'clock, as the roundtable crew gets together. Don and I will be back next week for another noon dish. Maybe there'll be some surprising news. We'll see. It'll definitely be a top five. And what press box will Don Callahan be in next week? Check us out uh, one week today. Thanks, <laughs> Don.
2: All right. See you later.